Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? I know it's kind of a sobering moment because you think about slave trafficking and all those things, and I'm very excited about our guest speaker who's going to give us uh, information, solutions, things that can, we could do to help. I know this um, lady, Sister Adrian. she's an awesome lady, and she travels around the world. She puts her life on hand because she's defending the slaves, the kids, the people. I know um, uh, one, you know, when they, and actually they're, they're working in our, in our city. You could go in the Clackamas Mall, and they are, they are praying for young people. And they said one of, the re- one of the ways they get one they know is a strong candidate for slave is they ask them if they had a father. If they didn't have a father, they target them even more because they know they're in need. So there's great needs all around. That's crazy. But I believe, though, as we pray as a church, as we believe God, we're going to be able to help stop things, be able to change things, be able to make a difference in the world. That's what I'm talking about. Amen? Because we got a big God, don't we? He's big, he's powerful, he's awesome. And I can't wait to even talk about him a little bit today. Now I'm trying to save my energy because I'm going to go run for, um, now what, what's the name of that uh, group that we're running for today? Bridge of the Gap. I'm going to run, well I'm going to run, walk, crawl, whatever it takes. I'm going to try and do it, you know. And somebody said, well, I want to run with you. I said, look, you'll be passing me up, so don't even worry about it. But it's for a good good cause, and so at the Salem Capitol, um, they're going to be having all kinds of gatherings and things. If you want to be involved, please come out and do that. But, you know, I'm excited about this Wednesday. What's happening this Wednesday? Prayer meeting. I think it's a, yeah, it's a prayer meeting, ain't it? But it's something even more than that. We're going to call it congregational prayer. We're going to call it the place where the church is going to pray. And I'm excited because when God could get the church to pray, we're going to see marvelous, fantastic things happen. Now, do you think it's a time to pray right now? Has anybody seen the news lately? Has anybody even just seen what's happening all around the world where it seems like it's you know, like Jesus said, when the signs of time come, when it would be like a woman in travail, it starts coming more and more, quicker and quicker and quicker, and eventually it, it happens. And I believe that, I hear a little bit of an echo here, but I believe that, that we're in a place right now that, if, that we need to pray, and we need to pray as a church. Uh, we pray in the morning, um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 6 in the morning till, um, till 7. We have a prayer list. There's always a prayer list there, too. If you can't make it, some of the seniors that can't make it, you can't get a list of the things that we're praying. I got people that text me, and they say, I'm praying with you. I'm out of town, but I'm still praying. I believe in God and trust in God for great things. So uh, we're going to be on Wednesday. We're going to have a, it won't be a dinner. It'll be just soup and something to get you. So if you're coming from uh, work, you can get something to eat. Come in here, hang out. We're going to have prayer for one hour, what we'll do is it'll have, we'll have a, um, a list of things we're praying for. It'll be done where, you know, like, how do you pray an hour? Some people, how many have ever prayed an hour before? Okay, there's a few hands. I mean, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard, but it's not that easy. And in our mind, it seems way harder. But we'll have a focus, and we'll have a plan, and we'll gather together, and we'll be doing it, and you'll be surprised. 
every morning when we pray, usually people, I hear this comment, man, that hour went fast. Because when you just focus and you have something to do, you'll do it right. And we'll be, we'll be instructing you a little bit on that night too. But I did want to talk about prayer because naturally, because that's what we're going into, but I believe that it should be part of the DNA. And I know it has been the DNA of the Free Methodist Church. I know that it's, it's been a part of the Church of Christ in general. But sometimes the things that are so important, they somehow get, there's a corrosion of the value and how much important it is, and it becomes smaller and smaller. I mean, for instance, I went to a church that um, uh, had over 450 people, but if you get people in prayer meeting, there'd be probably maybe 20 people in prayer meeting, maybe 25, and that's a good prayer meeting right there. Now, we're in this church right now, and the average people that pray in the morning, there's probably three or four out of all of us. Now, I'm not trying to put no guilt trip on nobody. Come on, don't, don't be hating on me. I'm just saying that those things that are very important, and I'm not saying you don't pray, because I think it's important that all of us pray and have a personal prayer life. I don't rely on when I come just here. I think it's very important. I think it's vital. But that isn't my life. My life is I want to pray and seek God on a daily basis. That's just another portion and a different avenue of prayer. And it's binding and joining together. But there's something about when we pray as a congregation, as we pray as a team. In Psalms um, 34, 6 says this. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. One thing you got to realize when you pray is that when you, when you cry out to God, that you're not just saying words and God doesn't hear you, but God hears you. And he said, this poor man, it doesn't mean he was broke because that was David and he was pretty rich actually. Being a king, you got, you got access to some money. But he felt poor in his heart where he's saying, I've cried out to God, I'm at a place in life. And when he cried out to God, guess what happened? God hears you. God hears every word that we say. Sometimes he hears us when we can't even talk. You remember Hannah in the chapel? When she kept going and realized she was barren, she was praying, but she, her lips was moving, but nothing was happening. And the priest thought she was drunk. Like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? You drink? No, I'm not drinking. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a place where I'm really travailing. There's something in my heart, and I've got to ask God to help bring fruit. And God, look what God did by the time next year. She had a little son named Samuel, little Sammy, man. And what happened with Sammy? Sammy became the greatest prophet of its time. Actually, when he grew up, and he was such a great prophet that he'd come to a town, the elders would come to the town and say, do you got a good word or bad word? Because whatever you say, it's not going to drop to the ground. But all that came from somebody that was serious enough to pray out to God, to cry out to God, even when the odds were totally against her, she still prayed to God. And God heard her, and God gave us a great prophet, and his name was Samuel. But it said he cried, and he heard him, and he said he saved him out of all his troubles. And check this out. The angels of the Lord encampeth around those that fear him to deliver him. I love the Message Bible when it says that same verse. It says this. When I, was in, when I was desperate, anybody been desperate? You know that your prayer life gets really good when you're desperate, don't it? When everything's, when you're on the mountain, you're up on the valley, you know, you're up on the mountain and the wind's blowing, you got everything going good. Actually, your prayer life is getting very limited. You might say, thank you, Lord, for this food. 
Some people say, good meat, good food, get late, let's eat. And that's the, the prayer of their day. Or now I lay down my, myself to sleep, I pray my soul, soul to keep. Those kind of prayers. But when you get desperate, when you got a child that's thinking about suicide, or you got somebody hooked on drugs in your family, or when you lose your job, or your marriage is going awry, when things get rough, all of a sudden we get desperate, don't we? And guess what? Our prayer life becomes a marvelous prayer life. Man, they're like, that's a prayer warrior. No, he's in a trial, and life is desperate, but he will call unto God. But I love, he said, when I was desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. Anybody been in a tight spot? You know what? When God calls on you, when you call on God, guess what? He's able to get you out. And I love this. He, he said, he got me out of a tight spot. Not only did he do that, but it says God's angels set up a circle of protection around me, while we, uh, around us, while we pray. There's something about when you're calling on to God. There's a, there's a spiritual warfare going on when you're calling on to God. Now, one thing you've got to realize, that the reason why we don't pray often and why it's hard to get people to pray, because the enemy knows if you pray, he's in trouble. If you call unto God, he's in trouble. The Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil. And guess what happens? He runs from you. But it's a total submission. It's where I'm crying out to God, and we surrender to God the things that are before us. But I love that. He says, he, says he set up a protection around us while we pray. See, there's something about when the church gets together and pray. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, guess what's happening? He's in the midst of us, isn't he? When two or three touch and agree on anything on earth, guess what happened? Whatever you touch on earth, whatever you say no on earth, it's no in heaven. When you say yes on earth, it's a yes in heaven because there's power in prayer. Hallelujah. You know, I remember when I first got saved and it seemed like, you know, uh, uh, when every time I tried to read the Bible and start praying, I'd fall asleep. Anybody ever done that before? I was just a young buck. I mean, I was like 20-something years old. I'm like, why am I tired just because I'm reading and praying? And then I told this elderly lady or senior or a, a, a lady in the church, but you know what she told me? That's the devil. I said, what? She says, yeah, that's the devil. Because you know why? Because he knows when you pray or you get in the word, you're going to do damage against his kingdom. I said, what? That ain't happening no more. So you know what I started doing? Praying and reading while I was standing. I'd be at the table, lay my Bible out, start reading the Bible and praying. It's hard to fall asleep when you're standing. Isn't it? But you got to have a determination in your heart. This is important. This is what God has called me, and I don't care what happens. I'm going to do it, whatever it takes. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray as a church. You all know in the, book of, in the book of Acts, the greatest church, you know, like we always talk about church growth and how to do things, and 
I mean, I got people counseling me and helping me and teaching me. But you know what? They didn't do that for the apostles in the beginning because what happened is they got together in unity, just 20, 120 people. They were in unity, and they're waiting on God, and they're praying to God. Then the Spirit of God fell upon them, and the power of God came on them that within a couple of days they had a church of 3,000. Come on. Did nobody teach them strategies? They didn't go to Rick Warren's conference. They just got together, male and female, and the Lord. Said, we're not leaving here because Jesus said, go and tarry till you receive power from on high. We're not leaving until Jesus says, touches our life. And they were touched, and their lives were changed, and thousands were saved immediately. Man, we... You know what? Even if 3,000 got saved in this building, we could, we could do it. We could do it. There's enough room. We might have to have two or three or four services, but we could do it. God wants to do greater than what we could think. And then I think about in the scriptures, if you look at um, about the power of us praying as, as we're God's people, as we get together and we do things. Jesus, and, and Chronicles, remember when Solomon was dedicating the temple to God, the Bible says that God confirmed that he was with them, and the fire of God came down, and it consumed the offering, and then the glory of the Lord was there so thick that people couldn't minister. Wow. Anybody like to have it that bad? I mean, the Holy Spirit's in there so bad that we can't even do our own thing. It kind of breaks up our service. How dare you, God? Why'd you do that? Because I'm God. I do what I want. I have the power and the ability to change things. Even whatever is stuck in our mind, and we think this cannot happen, but I'm God, and I could do exceedingly above what you think or ask. That's why he's God. So why he's in the temple, and God was showing how much he blessed them, and we all know this scripture because it's a very familiar scripture. In uh, Chronicles 2, set verse uh, 2, chapter 7, verse um, 12. Check this out. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night to him. I heard your prayer. Come on. I heard your prayer, and I chose this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. You know that when Jesus... You only see Jesus mad a couple times. And one time he was mad when the church was being used other than what the kingdom of God was being used for. That ticked him off. Andrew, you said ticked off? Yeah. You think Jesus is mad? Look, anybody who takes a rope and makes cords out and turns over tables and starts whooping on buddy, he ain't happy. Jesus is mad. He says, you made my house a den of thieves, not a house. My house is not made to be just selling and to keep us occupied and to do things. But he said, my house shall be called what? A house of prayer. Among who? Among all nations. Jesus said, this is what God's house is for. We thank God that we're going to get built up. We're going to build up the youth. We're going to build up the children. We're going to build up the seniors. We're going to have some bad boy potlucks. And we're going to mix up with the 
some of the people in the church that rent from us, the, the islanders, the African-American, the Latino people, we want to do some joint services and get together and rub shoulders and learn culture and get to know people and understand that it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what race you are, that God loves you. We're in it together. Trust me, when you get to heaven, there ain't going to be no segregated corner. You know Sunday's the most segregated, segregated day of the year in America. The most segregated day of the year. Because you got black church, white church, island church, people that think that they cannot be accepted in different ways. Well, God says, I want to mix it up because guess what? When you get to heaven, every tongue, every nation, every color is going to be there. Hallelujah. But it isn't going to happen without prayer. And so what he did is he told Solomon that he was going to bless him. He said he's going to make this a house of sacrifice. And he said when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain, and the, he commands the locusts to devour the land and said pestilence among my people, this is what happens. He said if my people. Now you know what? I love that. He didn't say if the pastor prayed. We hired you. You need to be praying, Pastor. I am. But it ain't all my job. When we hired the deacons, we hired the elders. Uh, we're all together. They're supposed to pray. They are. We don't start a staff meeting without prayer. Come on now. You know what my motto is? Without prayer, he ain't going to be there. That's my motto. Because it's important. Little prayer, little power. A lot of prayer, a lot of power. We need God. He's building this church. We got to cry out to him and ask him. He said, if my people, and now this word my, it's funny because in the King James or the New King James or any translation except for the NIV and the New Living Translation, Living Translation, the only ones where they didn't capitalize my. Why do you think you would capitalize my? Y'all a bunch of English scholars in here. I know some of them are. I'm not. But I figured it out. The reason why mine was capitalized is because it's God's. When it's God's, it needs to be capitalized. We need to take notice. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Come on now. It takes humility. We find it takes humility to humble yourself before God saying, I can't do it. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not strong enough. But my people will come, he said. And if they will humble themselves, and what? First thing, baby, on the agenda. Jesus says, here's God saying to Solomon, five point. This is a three-point sermon. And the first point is this. Pray! I put it in order. It'd be, it'd be one of those slides on the PowerPoint. You got a blank, and then all of a sudden, whoop, prayer. Number one, if my people would pray. Not just individuals. It's good to have individuals, I've said before. But God wants us all to pray. God wants us all to call upon his name. Hallelujah. He said, if my people would pray and will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it's another capital, and turn from their wicked ways. What did he say? Then I will hear from heaven. 
from heaven. And what will he do? I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Our land is sick right now. I've never, and I've only been on this earth for 62 years. It'll be 63 next month. Short time. But I've never seen America and the world in such a, a sick form before. It's sick. Our, our, our unity is sick. There's the, the, the culture is becoming sick. Things are, are being said that are right when they're wrong. There's not, that things are, it used to be kind of a gray area. No, it's a total wrong area, but we voted in, so that makes it right, and that is sick. Amen? What he said, amen? All right, see, that, hey, we're going to get you a bonus this time now. Come on. That's what I'm talking about, and that's a big one. So now you guys know when to say it anyway. No. But God, help us. The locust is eating up our moral fiber, fiber, our righteousness, integrity. Just to be a person of righteousness is a reproach to this nation. That's the opposite of what God said. God said righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. But it's turned around. No longer is good good, but good is bad. If I say I'm a Christian, I might get persecuted for it. I might be separated aside because of I want to live a right life. But it's sick. And God said, if my people will pray, humble themselves, turn from their wicked way. And you might say, well, I ain't taking drugs. I'm not either. Trying not to. I mean, I might have to take an Advil here and there, especially after today to run. I might be having a couple, three of them. I'm not trying to cheat anybody, steal anything, but sometimes there could be a wicked heart of selfishness or a wicked heart of envy or a wicked heart of laziness or a wicked heart of giving to appetite. There could be these things in my life, and God, help me, search my heart. I, I go before God, and I say, God, look at me. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm, not, I'm undone. If you could look on my back, if, 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 if uh, you could see it in spiritual letters to be on my back right now, under construction. Where's the amen thing? He's under construction. There you go. Look, and it goes, bam. I'm under construction. I'm no better than any person in this place. And you're no better than me. The only reason what's good in me is because what God has done in me. What's wonderful in me is because the wonderful God that shed his blood, that made a body sacrifice for me, for us. That's what makes us good. That's what makes us good. But even in the frailness of my life and the weakness of my life, the inconsistencies of my life, God wants to use me and he wants to use you in his kingdom. It's his desire. He desires that. That's why he said, if my people, if my people will pray and humble themselves and turn from anything, it doesn't matter what it is. 
It might be where you have partiality. It might be where you look down on somebody. It might be where you think you're better because somebody's homeless and you ain't. Let me tell you something. Homeless people in God's eyes are more, are just as important as anybody, the richest person in this place. Come on. God ain't looking at your jewelry. He's looking at the heart. I thank God that he does not look on man as man does because man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks on the heart. And he looks on our heart. That's important to him. So we need to, my people, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, call unto him, and he will answer. Hallelujah. And there's something about when the church gets together and prays. Hallelujah. I, in, in Acts chapter 12, I recommend you reading it. I'm not going to have time to go through all of it because I don't want you guys to be here too long. Because you might, because I know at 11.30, some of y'all are going to walk out. It don't matter what I'm saying. So I'm trying to get there before you walk out, okay? But in Acts chapter 12, Herod thought it would be good to persecute the church. So he takes a sword and kills James. Kills him. The brother of John. Stabs him in the heart. And he saw that it, it brought great popularity. They're like, bravo, bravo, you killed those Christians. And so he said, I'm going to take Peter, their top leader, I'm going to put him in prison. So they take him and put him in prison. But he would have killed him, but the Passover was near, and he didn't want to cause too much trouble where there'd be an uproar. So he put him in prison, and he set a garrison around him with, with officers. There were like 15 of them, four at a time, around in a circle around Peter. They're saying, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna probably hang this man or behead him as soon as the Passover's out. But guess what happened? What happened? Who knows the scriptures? Guess what happened? Acts 12.5 said this. Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. Wow. I like, there's another translation that says, the message says, all the time Peter was under the heavy guard in the jailhouse, the church prayed for him most strenuously. They're like, man, he's, you know, the Catholics say he's the Pope, but he was the leader. And they're like, they got our leader, they killed James, and now they're going to kill Peter, let's pray. So they got together, the church got together, and they prayed fervently, they prayed earnestly. They said, I'm not quitting because that's our brother in there, and we're going to pray. And I guarantee you, the notch went, the volume went up, and people was praying and seeking God probably like they never did before because they're seeing about a life that's going to get killed within a couple days. Hallelujah. The NIV says Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So something marvelous happened. An angel comes into the middle of the cell. A light shines on Peter. But guess what Peter's doing? He's out. He's sleeping. I say, how can you sleep knowing that you're going to die within a few days? You know why? Because Peter knew his God. And he knew that nothing can harm me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. When you're walking in the will of God, can nobody kill you. All right now, where's that amen at? 
There you go. Peter had a peace. He was sound asleep. Look, anybody ever be sleeping and somebody turn the light on, you wake up right away, don't you, a lot of times. Light? Oh, shoot. What, what are you waking me up for? It didn't even wake him. So you know what the angel had to do? He had to smote him on the side. He did. He smote him. He said, get up, Peter. Put your sandals on. Put your sandals on. Put your robe on. Put his robe on. And they start walking through the gates. Finally, they get to the last gate. And the Bible says that the gate opened with nobody doing it. Somebody had a remote. Beep, beep, beep. You thought we was ahead of time, man. Holy Ghost is always ahead of time. The Spirit of God, the angel, and he walks out and he gets into the outside the gate and the gate shuts and he all of a sudden he realized, bro, this ain't no dream. This is for real happening. And so what did he do? He ran immediately to Mark's house where they were, the church was praying. He ran to there and he knocked on the door and a maid named Rhoda. Anybody named Rhoda in here? Because I, I don't want to be breaking on Rhoda if you got if you that's your your, your son, your daughter's name now, come on. I'm not going to break on her because she was awesome. She was so excited about Peter being there. It's Peter! Boom! Shuts the door. It's Peter out there! They go, why is he out there? No. He, no. The, and you know what the church was saying? Nah, that can't be Peter. I mean, he's, there's a garrison around him. He's in the cell after cell. It's impossible for Peter to be released. We're praying, but that's just a little too hard for God. God couldn't do that miracle. And then he, they hear knocking on the door. It's Peter. They said, well, what's happening? That's got to be Peter's angel. That's what they said. Man, they got faith for an angel, but they ain't got faith for Peter. Come on. And so they opened the door. And it's Peter saying, God, by a miracle, set me free. When the church gets together and earnestly prays and connects and stays in one accord with unity, miracles can happen, chains can drop, and doors can open without a remote. Boop. Well, we get together. And the first thing I thought was really amazing, that Peter said, Go tell James. I was like, why would you want to tell James? That's interesting, isn't it? The brother of Jesus. And I realized James was a prayer warrior. The history says that James had camel knees. You know what camel's knees look like? Big old things, calluses. They said that he had, cal he had calluses on his knees. And even on the ground, there was an indentation where he would be praying. They knew if they needed to get a prayer through, call Brother James. So he said, call James, tell him what happened. Why? Because he understood that James was a prayer warrior. And not, and not only was he a prayer warrior, James is the one who told us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Well, availeth much. That word avail means, means tremendous power is available to us. I believe as we pray. I believe that we need more than just a program, guys. I'm about helping. I'm going to help every kind of program we got. I want to see everything done well with excellency. But it's more than a program. We're going to need the power of God to change this neighborhood. We're going to need the power of God to help our nation that is sick. 
We're going to need the power of God. There's people commit suicide at, like, falling over the bridge. We've dealt with it. I did a funeral of a 21-year-old this week who committed suicide, man. We need the power of God. We need God to intervene when the devil's telling a young man at 21 years old, you don't have no reason to live. Not here in Salem. Not here in Salem first. You got every reason to live. It doesn't matter where you came from, how much drugs you took. You have a reason because God loves you and he cares about you. Come on now. Now, that one you didn't even need to do. They did it on their own. I believe with all my heart God has wonderful plans for our country. Though it's sick, he said, call unto me, and I'll answer, and I'll what? Heal. When things are sick, God heals them. He might not heal the whole nation. He might not change everything all at once, but I guarantee you there will be pockets here in Salem and here in Oregon and here in our nation and throughout the world where God is going to come with the healing balm of Gilead and heal people. Heal them of their obsession. Heal them of their addiction. Heal them of their depression. Heal them even physically. Come on now. Okay, you're getting slow. You might as well, you know, chill a little bit. Now. Don't you believe that? It can't help with us by having a program. A lot of people are like, man, Andrew, Andrew, aren't you doing this? Aren't you doing that? I'm doing the best I can. But what I'm doing more than what I could do mentally and physically, I'm crying out to God. Because I know that God can do it. With men, it's impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Let's stand. Let's just raise our hand and surrender to God, okay? Let's raise our hand and we're going to pray a prayer and surrender to God. Father God, we just surrender. We know it's not by programs, it's not by works, it's not by our PowerPoints, it's not by our intellect and our degrees, God. Because you said it's not by power nor by might, but it's by your spirit that we could accomplish things. A church isn't born with 3,000 people because somebody, you know, texted everybody and it went Facebook Live. But God, you're able to do everything even without all that technology. And we have it now, we will use it for your glory. But make us people that have faith and will believe you for great and exceeding things. Help us to pray. Help us, your people, we're called by your name, to pray and to turn from our ways and humble ourselves. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. If anybody needs prayer, wants personal prayer, the altar's open right now. My wife and the elders and people will want to pray for you. You can feel more than happy to come. But if not, you're released.